From Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. Carbon credits are positioned as a potential avenue to alleviate some of the global climate pressures emanating from carbon emissions. But they are not without critics. Are they a viable asset class and how can we best optimize carbon credits and offsets? My name is Vinita Tan, the Managing Editor of IFN. To understand this, in this episode, I speak to Professor Lisa Wilson, the Managing Director of XTCC, a Sharia-compliant investment platform for carbon credits, as well as Dr. Scott Levy, the Managing Director of Al-Wasila and founder of XTCC, to find out more. Hi, Dr. Scott and Professor Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're going to talk about the carbon offsets market, but before... We go deeper into that. Um, you were both at the COP28 summit in Dubai. So I wanted to get your general thoughts about the climate summit and perhaps even if you could possibly give us a bit more like flavors or thoughts about um, anything that has transpired with regards to Islamic finance. Look, I'm happy to hop in on that first. Um, I think the COP28, uh, and I know that uh, Scott, uh, and I, we had different times there, but I was there the entire time. I think uh, with COP28, it was a very different COP. I've been at many, many COPs, and this is a very different COP in the sense that certainly within the blue zone, it was a blue zone of deals and decisions. Uh, there was a lot of business being conducted in that in that place. And I think um, in terms of recognition, uh, particularly around Islamic finance, uh, I think the, the, the quote that came from um, Kristalina Georgieva, who is the head of the IMF, she spoke of the fact that there's over $3 trillion currently trapped in Islamic finance, uh, particularly in the Middle East, and that that needs to be unlocked. And, of course, XTCC is the answer to that because we need to give confidence to those who uh, want a Sharia-compliant product, of course, which we have. So I think the Islamic finance uh, ability and access to huge amount of capital is one part. But I think the second part and probably the most important part of this conversation was the fact that it's not just about Islamic finance. It's about overlaying the principles of Islamic finance into and to create integrity in the carbon market. And we've been talking about that for many months. I spoke on this at the FIR7 in Riyadh in November also. So this is not just about Islamic finance. This is about overlaying the principles of Islamic finance into the carbon markets and climate solutions. And that's very much so what XTCC has been doing. I mean, it, it aligns beautifully. And just to give you a bit of a wrap up on the Tuesday, uh, sorry, on the Sunday of uh, COP28, which was the third, I presented at an IOSCO uh, presentation for the Spanish Union where they released their consultation paper around 21 good principles for the carbon market, very different to, uh, you know, the Integrity Council and so forth. What they've said is that the market needs good business principles as well as good principles to create credits. And I think, you know, we need to sort of pull that apart and have that conversation about what that looks like. So I think in terms of the opportunities for Islamic finance, it's absolutely huge, but it's also, I think, much bigger to have this conversation about overlaying the principles of integrity and so forth into the carbon markets because that is going to untrap, you know, a a far greater amount of liquidity and capital uh, that's there uh, in the the traditional markets and have liquidity flow back into projects. But I think there's also a third part to this, and I think certainly the Middle East is driving this conversation 
uh, particularly Saudi and, and, you know, Dubai and UAE around the fact that they do want to be uh, net zero by 2030, for example, for Expo 30. So they are saying the only way that this path can be paved is through a voluntary market, but it does need to have integrity. And that comes from having any principles of Islamic finance. And I know, Scott, you know, you had some very different conversations um, to what I had, but that's sort of a bit of an overview on just that element, I think, of COP28, which, of course, for XCCC, uh, we were on the world stage um, and elevated to that platform. And, and we're certainly going to run with that, um, you know, as fast as we can. Scott? Yes, thank you. Um, I think, I mean, Lisa put it very, very well, and particularly in the level of discussions where we have this opportunity to cross over with conventional talking about you know, people who are more obviously from the conventional side as to where Islamic finance can bring some additional value to their normal discussions. And it's something that we've talked about with yourself and at various IFN roadshows is about intentionality in that what is the purpose of these transactions? How do we justify? And, and this is obviously something that underpins a lot of, you know, what we've seen in terms of the ethical side and, and explaining to conventional investors the importance of Islamic finance and some of those principles in that the way in which the conventional world talks about, they don't really use the word intentionality. And it's interesting that we've used that concept more in Islamic finance than, than the conventional world does, but it's kind of where they're headed, which is we want to make sure that projects are being done for the right reasons, not just as a commercial transaction, which is absolutely fine because they have to stand on their own two feet, but it's as much about the social impact that results from what's being done and and how it translates into these um, sustainable development goals and all the other aspects. And, and carbon becomes, the carbon credit becomes the commodity of the net zero world. And it, it's, it's kind of, and it's interesting to be in the UAE, and I suppose even looking forward to next year where it's going to be in Baku, that oil has been the, the kind of commodity of the industrialization world. Carbon credits are the commodity of, of the net zero world. And where we're sitting is saying, well, if that's the case, then we need to have the investment structures in place to support this. So our discussions around adding to banks, wealth managers and, and investment propositions, adding to their portfolio access to this super important asset class, the timing of COP28 couldn't have been any better. Right, right, right. And um, yes, you talk about you know, unlocking this Islamic, tremendous Islamic finance potential in the carbon market. So, of course, some see carbon offsets or credits as a viable solution for the climate crisis we are facing. Uh, but you also have its critics, right? Some have highlighted the ineffectiveness of the you know, controversial divisive asset class. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I'll, so the, the the thing is, we're not just here talking about offsets. There is there are two aspects to this. So yes, look, you can't. People who are critical of offsetting have kind of missed what's happening in the last twenty five years. This is not a new phenomenon. The Kyoto Protocols and the Paris Accord, which have been developed over the last twenty years, offsetting happens. It is an established part of the day we're at. It's a necessary part of the ecosystem to encourage work. But actually what we're doing is saying, look, the, the, the issue with offsets, it's not about the offsets entirely. The, the fact is the carbon market offers an opportunity for both project owners and investors to benefit from the demand and the pressure to opt for net zero. Mm. So compliance, the reality is when did the cost of compliance ever go down? So what we're going to see 
is that as the compliance pressures are greater on companies to offset and move quicker, the demand for credits is going to go up. People more need to buy them. If the demand goes up and the supply is hard because you can't just snap your fingers and create credits, then the supply-demand curve shows the cost of that credit will go up. And this is the point. This is an asset like aluminium or copper or lithium. Ten years ago, nobody cared about lithium. Now lithium is the hottest commodity on the planet until carbon credits. And the point is that demand is going to go up. Pressure is going up. There needs to be a proper investment in the carbon credit. Yes, you can use it for offset, but actually it's an investment tool. And that's the key thing that we've done is unlocked investment capital to create liquidity for the project owners who are generating the credits. So now we have the circular benefit of we can encourage more developments because now there's a way to monetize credits in the hands of the owners. They can hold them, they can invest, or they can offset. And that kind of gets around, kind of gets over this whole business of, oh, I'm just offsetting. It's not about offsetting. It's about oh. encouraging more project development, and credits are a valuable part of that equation. Yeah, and look, I think I think there's a couple of really important parts this this point, and I know you picked up, uh, you know, you words, uh, you know, it's a divisive asset class. I disagree. Uh, the asset class is not divisive. One of the things that we've done in this whole conversation around COP28 is we've talked about clarity of voice. We need to stop using terms like it's a divisive asset class. Right. Take the emotion out of this conversation. It's not a divisive asset class. In fact, it is just an asset class. The emotion that divides us is the fact that we haven't had clarity of voice. Uh, you know, I was just on a call a minute ago and um, somebody said, oh, we've got prime carbon. I said, no, I'm going to stop you there. You don't have prime carbon. Carbon is carbon. One metric tonne uh, of carbon is one metric tonne of carbon. It's not prime. Everything else is the emotion that's attached to this conversation. And that's one of the things that XCCC has done extremely well is to have this clarity of voice, stop people in their tracks and say, no, take this, con- the, take the emotion out of this conversation. Let's start talk commercial conversations. It is an asset class. A carbon credit could be a brick, and I often use that, that analogy. We've, we've got high-integrity high product called a brick, which happens to be a carbon credit. Now, I've coined the phrase high-integrity because there's a vast difference between high-quality and high-integrity. High-integrity includes high-quality, but high-integrity also includes an ecosystem, the entire market ecosystem of good principles, good practices, and, of course, they're the principles that I'm talking about. But I think also... And I like to talk about this. The innovation curve that we go through at the moment is much more concentrated than we've ever had before. So for every two years of innovation now, we're going through 21 years of change. So if you think about that, if you go back you know, 40, 50 years, innovation took 10 years. Now it's very, very concentrated. So you know, we talk about all the, the controversies in the market, and you can, we can use other markets such as the crypto asset market and all sorts of other markets. But the innovation curve is highly concentrated. So we're going to see massive spikes in the initial part of that innovation curve of projects, of, of, of um, credits being produced. We are going to see those who are fraudulent. We are going to see the controversies of Verigold standards and, and, and um, uh, et cetera. We're going to see that in that concentrated curve. But where we're sitting now is the point of inflection where we're about to mature the market. 
all of those issues we've identified and recognised, but it happens in a very concentrated way. So people are focusing on those controversies. They're not actually now focusing on the opportunities of us to be able to take that market, mature it, give it confidence, see the errors of what's occurred, remove those and move forward. And part of that is to remove the conversation of, of emotion that comes from this being a divisive asset class, which it's not. The innovation curve is now maturing. But I think also in terms of the actual um, the class, the asset class itself, it's, it's a massive opportunity for investors because this is an uncorrelated asset class. Other assets are often correlated to other factors and other things in the market. We are seeing carbon drive its own train, basically. It is not correlated to other things. Now, that's a very attractive investment portfolio for a diversified portfolio for investors. But we have to make sure that the language we've got is clear. Get rid of the emotion. Talk about this like it is a commercial transaction. Now, I think the other part of this conversation, and I always, say, always talk about this as being an ecosystem, the market doesn't just consist of one part. It consists of multiple parts that must work effectively together to make this market mature and confident. And, for example, when we talk about Islamic finance principles and a liquidity flowing, those principles and liquidity flow back to the projects. If we've got the principles of Islamic finance in there, it means that there's due diligence, there's ESG metrics, there's all the good qualities that we want to see. So when liquidity flows back to project developers, we see greater due diligence in the funds that go back to those projects as well. So it's really, really important that we don't just segregate the carbon market as being part of the, uh, it operates on its own. It doesn't. It works in an entirety. And that's where we're having this really clear conversation now that obviously le leveraged us that it's, you know, the world's first. You've got to have the best technology. You've got to have the best principles. You've got to have the best projects. You've got to have good liquidity. It all works together. A bit like the fire triangle. Heat, oxygen and fuel, take one away. It doesn't work. If we have an ecosystem that doesn't work with all those principles, we will not have a confident, mature market. And I think that's absolutely key um, to having this, this, this conversation. I think the, the, the controversies are gone. I think we now need to move into these uh, important points where we can call these uh, you know, projects. You know, we've had conversations where people have said, oh, I can go out and buy a, a $2 credit. They're not high integrity. We expect the market in high integrity credits to grow those poor quality credits, those ones that have had the controversies, they're going to fall away, just as the same as we've seen in other innovation curves and innovation products. And I think that's really what's been so key to our conversation at COP28. We've said it as, as it is, and it's what the investors want to hear. Like all things, who went and asked the investors what they wanted? Don't tell them what they want. We have to deliver on what the traditional market needs, and, and that's what we've done. Right. And that's, that, those are really good points, you know, about like removing the emotional language and, you know, integration of the asset class. So, so in, in your opinion, what are, you know, some of the, you know, real challenges or issues of, you know, the current landscape or current market and how can we meaningfully, effectively address them? I think, so one of the things that Lisa mentioned was clarity. And hmm. so two things. One is clarity and the other is transparency. So, First of all, transparency is to understand exactly where the money is being deployed and what the impacts are. And this comes back to the things we've been talking about, again, on multiple IFN roadshows over the years, is making sure that the data is communicated effectively to how the impact is being measured. 
So that, that adds confidence. The second one is clarity. We are not investing in projects. XTCC does not take project risk. Carbon credits are Sharia compliant. They are an output of an effectively a manufacturing process. And the way we have kept this simple and avoided the controversy around some of the issues that have emerged is we are focusing on renewable energy. Everybody understands solar, wind, hydro, how they work. They generate energy. They generate energy. They generate credits. And that map is simple and transparent. So we can be, as XTCC, in getting people to participate in this market, we have to make sure that we're doing it in a way they understand, which is, say, solar, wind, hydro, simple methods, easy to verify, and totally transparent. And it's honestly, it's no different than a real estate investment with a well-known developer or, you know, any of the other kind of standard type of or a, a brand, a well-established brand going to market with a Sukuk. We know what they do. We know how they communicate. They have investor relations. The carbon, the carbon market is, is the same. The carbon credits are the same. The problem is there's no market. And the biggest mistake that people have made over the years is creating, it kind of has spawned markets, individual little pots of trading activity where there's no rational values, there's no fair market value. And ultimately, I think this is the most important point about the clarity and the transparency. So one price per metric ton, and we use the capital markets, the mainstream stock exchanges, Bloomberg, public knowledge to say, this is the value of your metric ton. And then we have a fair market value in which people can act. And that principle, along with the normal things like education and awareness, that there is a rational way to participate in this market without emotion, where you can look the prices up clearly and see the value proposition. Without that, it's just going to be chaos and we set our, our mission to create order. And that's where we are now. And I would 100% agree. I think uh, one of the the focuses that I had, particularly out of COP28, was to try and build some key themes around this entire conversation, which is a huge conversation. What often happens is because it's such a huge conversation, uh, people just come into the, the discussion and there's conversations all over the place and it becomes really emotive and no one can actually find a structured way to move forward. So I built some key themes so that we can curate the content and curate the conversations to try and fit in under some key themes. One, of course, which was technology and data. Uh, and, you know, Scott touched on it. Data and the use of technology will be key to confidence, transparency and provenance end to end. If somebody comes to me and tells me that they've got transparency of a product and they are not using blockchain technologies and IoT technologies to deliver that, they cannot possibly be saying that they have end-to-end provenance. Blockchain is the perfect technology to give us that end-to-end provenance. Don't tell me that it's expensive to use. Don't tell me it's nascent. That's absolute garbage because we know these technologies exist. They're choosing not to use them. Uh, you know, we can go from the very project on the ground at a very micro granular level where we've got 
you know, uh, projects being delivered where we're capturing data, that data goes directly and is anchored to a blockchain. It can move around. We can see it where it's end-to-end. Investors can see that we are actually what we're saying, we're delivering on. And so that's very key. Technology and data will be key to this conversation. So I think there is not a project around that shouldn't have that um, discussion. And interestingly enough, and we will be responding to the IOSCO consultation paper, it's an area that was omitted. It's almost like it's an, un- it's, a, it's an unspoken thing. Well, no, it's not. It needs to be a good principle that you utilise this technology and you engage with people who are using this technology to give confidence, not only to um, investors, but obviously to regulators, to those who produce standards and so forth. And I think that is the other part of the conversation. And we spoke very bluntly, and I spoke very bluntly about this, is that currently there are many, many standards being used to validate and authenticate um, whether a credit is actually a high integrity or high quality credit as the rest of the market use um, that exists. Let's be really honest. We need to create a common domain model of those standards because just because Vera and Gold Standard have highly priced commercial standards doesn't mean to say theirs is the best. They're all derivatives of the ISO standard anyway. So we need to create a common domain model that is truly democratising and incorporating the very large uh, number of projects who are coming from the global south and emerging nations. There's nothing to say that their credits are any are any less important. In fact, we know that they will be the drivers of the market, but currently they can't afford to pay those commercial fees. So we need to have somebody who's put, going to put their head on the chopping block to say we will fund that project to create a common domain model of also all of those standards. So any project, regardless of the size, can have an open source platform, plug in their requirement with re-additionality, plug in their requirement around authenticity, etc., into a common domain model and go, here's what we're producing and have a truly democratised market. That hasn't happened yet. That's the, the element that's causing some issues. And, of course, there were some other issues that we spoke about in terms of, you know, taxation and all of those sorts of things. I think they're post the problem. Taxation is not an issue, by the way, when you have an investment product. Uh, so it's easy if you, you know, in terms of monies that you take off, but in terms of the way that they are talking about whether a carbon credit's taxed in one country or not another country. And I think, again, XCCC eliminates that conversation uh, and makes it a, a much simpler conversation. But I think we need to be talking about the authentic, authenticity using common domain models and get rid of the nonsense around one standard is better than another and one standard produces a better carbon credit than another. That's absolute nonsense. It doesn't. We need to produce a mechanism such as the EMEA refit program around financial regulatory standards in the European Union, exactly the same with carbon credits. It's not a difficult thing. It would happen very, very quickly. And secondly, uh, we certainly need to make sure that uh, we incorporate the almost mandatory requirement, if you like, to to utilise technology and data to give us those conversations around provenance and, and confidence that investors will need. And, of course, that means, as, as Scott said, uh, that we eliminate then, using uh, our process of creating a hedonic index, for example, the white noise. All this emotional white noise goes away and it becomes a very factual conversation that's driven by data provenance, technology, and so forth. And I think that's really where we're taking this this conversation very clearly. So you both referenced XCCC in this conversation. Can you perhaps tell us more about XCCC? Sure. So XCCC is the 
Investable is the, is the the brand name of the Sharia compliant investable carbon proposition. So we've we've created a, a, a universal product listed on main market exchanges. The first ones being Frankfurt, Bermuda, and Vienna. The listings go live this week, and they are there's two different key investment products. One of them is a principle protected, which for Sharia compliant purposes is the first one, I think, since about Sokgen did one about 10 years ago, where four years exposure to the upside of the market plus principle protection. And we're using you know, GCC investment grade Sukuk to provide that. The other one is a pure open ended exposure investment in the actual movement of the price. So underneath these is a carbon effectively a carbon index which will determine a price per share, so to speak, or price per metric ton. And investors can participate in a Sharia-compliant product, either for wealth managers, investment banks, or corporates available on exchange. It's a, it's a easily tradable, transferable security. And then we're, the XTC is our exchange-traded carbon credit go-to-market brand. And this is a world's first? It is. It's a it world's first, and it's also the world's best technology because our our technology partner, Zero13, did win the tech sprint at COP28 to be the world's best blockchain solution for uh, climate markets. So we're the world's first, world's best. But I think I often use the, the terminology, and I know Scott is, you know, obviously the world's best in terms of Sharia-compliant uh, structured financial products as well, and that, and that marketplace can't get anybody better than that. But I think... I often use the language to those who are hearing uh, perhaps for the first time. It's almost, in a way, a very vanilla product. Uh, but sometimes what is, the, what is the simplest and easiest is the thing that's overlooked. Uh, you know, I, I go back to the point that nobody went out to investors and said, what do you want out of the market? Instead, it's been, here's what we're giving you. And investors are saying, well, I'm pushing back. I, I can't invest. I can't buy credits. I want to invest into credits. I don't want to buy them. I want to invest into them um, to generate revenue and an ROI. And that liquidity, of course, then turns around and flows back into the, to the, um, the projects. But I think in terms of, uh, of simplicity, it is a traditional investment product um, and investors are looking for that level of security. It is a, it literally is, we're using high integrity credits as our asset base to, to structure and, and, and create a financial product as, as Scott, as Scott said, you know, a four year principal protected, three year and open ended product. Um, and so that's a very different conversation than, uh, the challenges of an investor going out and saying, well, I really want to invest, but I don't want to buy credits. I don't want to trade them. I'm not interested in doing that. I want to invest in them. It's no different than a building or, or, or a bond. I want to invest. I don't want to buy them. I want to invest in them. But by investing in them, uh, and we've we recognised that the number of, you know, the types of investors will be different and their intentions will be different. So I think there's a point about the, the, uh, we've taken the emotion out of the conversation. But we also do know that one of the reasons that we've kept, for example, the sources of our um, credits, if you like, pure. So, for example, we've got a solar product, a hydro product, a biomethation product, a blue carbon product. Um, because we've kept those sources pure, it means that we can allow the normal market forces to drive the growth of those products. And, of course, that's where the sentiment does come in. That's where the emotion comes in. It comes out of the 
the commercial product, but it goes into becoming that's the driver of the market. So, you know, it is a, it's a very vanilla but an amazing product. Um, and, you know, sometimes the, the string on a tea bag is the most obvious, the same as XTCC being an exchange-traded structured product that's Sharia compliant is the most amazing thing. Can I just, I'll just, Vinita, I'll just sort of summarise simplistically. XTCC is issued off the Al-Wasila Sharia compliant issuance platform. We use the IIFM ISDA agreement as a standardised standardized transaction. So we've created a standardised contract in a listed format to participate in what all the macro research says 10, 20, 50, 100 times growth market the next 10 to 15 years. And this is the only way to to try and capture that upside in a standardized contract form. All right. So to wrap up, what kind of future do you see for the voluntary carbon market, um, particularly in the context of the Islamic finance industry? I think we're only right at the very beginning of a very strong future. I would see in the next year, two and three years, we'll see a massive growth uh, in this market, uh, certainly coming back um, out of COP28 and, and moving forward to the World Economic Forum in Davos. We are seeing this as being the peak of the conversation. I think we will start to see the massive growth and the unlocking of liquidity there, and I think it will all revolve around as I said, not just the Islamic finance market, but I think embedding these principles as I'm talking about into the carbon market and a, and a climate solution conversation. So I think it's a, it's a very strong positioning that we're having. We're seeing, um, you know, obviously, I, I love a, a quote that Kristalina um, from the IMF spoke about. She said, we need a river of liquidity and capital to flow into the voluntary carbon market. It was an absolutely brilliant statement. But she also said, and I was there when she said it, so that was just before they announced the one trillion AED uh, fund and just before they announced uh, our technology is winning the world's, world's best uh, blockchain technology for climate solutions. She also added to that, and that's obviously been admitted at a lot of the conversations, that it needs to flow without obstruction. And I think that's part of the, the importance of the Islamic finance markets is that we are trying to remove the obstructions that are facilitating the liquidity of flow. We need a smooth pathway of flow because the very, very vast majority of these projects sit in the global south and the emerging nations. And at the moment, the market is not democratised purely because of the obstructions that we have. So I think that's my opinion, uh, and I certainly think the statistics and the figures um, are certainly going to drive that. And certainly the reception that we've had and the elevation we've had and the discussions we've had from it flowing from COP28 indicates we've delivered on what the market wants. And, and, and you know, our catchphrase really, and I coined this as well, is that XTCC is the, is the new economic model of doing the right thing. It's not about carbon markets and I think that's really a, a lovely way to end the conversation and of course open up the next conversations with those who want to engage with us. Absolutely thank you so much it's been really enlightening and you know we're looking forward to see what XTCC will bring to the market so thank you so much Professor Lisa and Dr Scott. 
Thank you for listening. For more discussions on the Islamic finance industry, log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com. You can also listen to IFN Podcast on your favorite platforms, including iTunes and Spotify.